Our sermon passage this morning is from Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 16. Behold, I am sending out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you say... What you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in, in hell. Excuse me. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household." Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Amen. You guys may be seated. As you take your seat, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you first that you are the one true God who reigns over all things. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to redeem, to forgive, to make new, and to restore a people that you call your own. Thank you that you have brought each of us into the hearing of your gospel. 
the hearing of your word. We thank you that our eyes have been opened that we might believe. Thank you that you've brought us into this room today around your word filled with your spirit. So with thankful hearts now we ask, Father, would you teach us from your word? Father, would you soften our hearts? Open our minds and stir us to glorify you. Father, would you meet us in our weakness and in our humanity and fill us with your spirit? As people of a fallen world, there's so much temptation, there's so much sin, there's so much hurting, there's so much brokenness, there's so much need all in us and all around us. So Lord, I'm praying that you would tenderly care for your people today as your word is proclaimed. And Father, with great humility, as the one who speaks, your, speaks and shares your word today, would you help me to do so in a way that would honor you, in a way that would serve your people? We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, if you haven't done so already, please take your Bible. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 10, where Julie was just reading for us. If you're a guest here at Redeemer, we are working our way through the book of Matthew. And and last week, we started chapter 10. And what happens in chapter 10 is really the second main teaching section in the book of Matthew. So you have... Work of Jesus teaching, work of Jesus teaching, and you're going to have three more cycles like this. The big turn in Matthew 10, if the story's unfolding to us as if it were the first time, the big turn is this. The work of Jesus will be carried out by his disciples. That was the big turn. Jesus is working. Hey, come follow me. We're with Jesus while Jesus is working. But the big turn of chapter 10 is, now you go. I send you to carry out my work. So the kingdom of Jesus is built by those whom Jesus has redeemed. Jesus builds his kingdom, but he sends his followers to carry out the work. That was the big turn of Matthew chapter 10. And so in the teaching about Jesus sending his disciples, there were some 
some elements of it that were very much just for this one particular mission. We found those in verses 5 through 15. But as Jesus continues in in today's passage, we're going to see him not just speaking to 12 sent ones about a a one-time particular mission, but we're going to see the principles broaden out where Jesus is saying, everyone who carries my gospel, everyone who follows me, everyone who claims my name, these are realities for all of us. So the truth that needs to shape our minds as we wrestle with this passage today is, if we're in Christ, we are all the sent ones. And Jesus intends us to carry out the work of the kingdom. And so in this passage particularly, Jesus gives his disciples, his sent ones, the promise of his presence and his allegiance while navigating a fallen world. Jesus gives his disciples the promise of his presence, I am with you, and his allegiance, I am for you, while navigating a fallen world. So we said that our theme in this entire service is hope. Hope is a longing for something better. Hope is a longing for something different. If everything is perfect and everything is ideal and everything is exactly the way God intended it, we don't need hope because we're basking in the goodness and glory of God. The purpose of this passage is Jesus saying, I know this world is fallen. And I know this fallen world is going to reject me and it will reject you if you follow me. But there is a hope that overcomes the world. I, Jesus, am the hope that overcomes the world. That's what he is conveying to his people here. So before we look at the passage in detail I just give a warning, number one, I tend to be long-winded. It's okay to say amen. Number two, we have time constraints. And number three, this passage could have been like 15 sermons, okay? Like we're going to hit phrase after phrase after phrase after phrase where you're like, whoa, 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 dude, slow down, slow down. I can't, not today. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have one another. These realities are truths to shape us because the the sending into a fallen world is it precisely where we are sent ones into a fallen world. So Jesus is giving to us, his disciples, the promise of his presence and his allegiance while navigating a fallen world. So first, if you want to take notes, with Jesus, with Jesus. One of the main truths Jesus is conveying in this passage is that we are sent out, but we are not alone because Jesus is with his people. 
We are sent out, but never alone because Jesus is with his people. So before we get too tied up in the realism and the difficulty, let's notice this interweaving of if we're in Christ, Christ is with us always. If we're in Christ, the love of the Father that rests upon Christ rests upon us always. Dear friends, this is the hope of the season, right? The love of God rests upon the people of Jesus. This is the hope, and Jesus is beginning to to lay that out. So the passage begins in verse 16 with what I would just call a statement of reality. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep. Sheep meaning We're different, meaning we belong to the shepherd, meaning we belong to Jesus. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So when you're with the wolves, Christ is with you. Let's look at some of these together. First, we see And by the way, these don't follow this nice, neat, logical syllogism of A, B, C, D, therefore. They're kind of more just littered in and littered in and littered in and littered in. Like Jesus is talking about hardship. He's talking about persecution. He's talking about difficulty in the fallen world. And he's just littering in gospel hope. He's just littering in, I am with you. He's just littering in, you don't have to crumble because I am with you. So first, we see in verse 23. We see, I'm sorry, we see in verse 19. When they deliver you over, don't be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now notice what Jesus is saying here. You're arrested either by religious leaders or governors or kings for the sake of Jesus. Because you bear witness to Jesus. And Jesus says, Don't be anxious. Oh, that sounds grand. I won't be uptight at all. Why? Because the Spirit of God will be with you and give you the words to say. So here's what Jesus is saying. You're arrested. You're standing before a power who is far, far, far greater than you in the earthly realm. And the Spirit of God will be with you and give you the words to say. So there's this this truth of you're not alone because Christ is with you. Verse 
Verse 23, we get another one of these gospel nuggets. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now here's the gospel truth here. The Son of Man is coming again. He has not left us forever. He's coming. Verse 26. Now this one we're going to camp out on for a minute. Verses 26 through 32. They really get at this idea of Christ is with us. So Jesus has argued thus far, I've sent you out and you're going to suffer just as I suffered. Now, pick up in verse 26. So have no fear of them, those who are persecuting you. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. How do we know that? Because God's going to reveal it. God's going to make it known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who killed the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So what Jesus is arguing is, don't fear these temporary, weaker realities, but cling to the one who's overcome the world. Cling to the one who can accomplish all things. Cling to the one who holds eternity in his hands. Verse 29, he goes farther. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. The father controls the life of the sparrows. Verse 30. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. The father numbers the hair on our heads. It's easier for the father to number some of our heads than others. Zero. But the father Numbers, and I see some zeros out there. I just want you to know I see them. So then we come to the heart of the matter. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. The Father values the children of Jesus far more than the sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me, Jesus, before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now I fear, I feel that we trip up on this imperative, fear not. I mean, look, When there are massive realities in front of us, it is appropriate and human to have a response to those realities. Caution, fear. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is, don't be so debilitated because you're not 
alone. Don't be so debilitated because the greater power is on your side. Don't be so debilitated because what's taking place right here in the here and now is not necessarily the end of the story. Jesus is with us. And if Jesus is with us and we're in, G- in, in Jesus, the Father is for us. Jesus advocates to the Father on behalf of his people. One more. Verse 40. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So what Jesus is conveying to his followers is, hey, I've sent you out. But you're not alone because I'm with you. And if I'm with you, the Father's for you. And if I'm with you and the Father's for you, the Spirit is helping So Jesus is giving to his disciples this reality of as we go forward as his people for his purposes, he will be with us, help us, protect us, lead us, guide us, and tell us where we are to go. So the implications of these gospel truths kind of laying through this passage are three. Number one, God is with his people. God is with us. And I think we've heard this truth so much that we're almost like inoculated to it. But throughout the Bible, the great promise is that God's presence is for his people. That's that's the promise. The Lord is among us, exerting all of his divine strength and power for us. God is with his people. Second, God is for his people. He's for his people, meaning he will not allow his people to be destroyed. Now, I feel like I need to put a little caveat that comes from the second point of this sermon. That doesn't mean everything will always go our way, but it means that he will not allow us to be separated from him. He will not allow his people to to be eternally destroyed. He is for his people. If we're in Christ, in spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion, in spite of all the negative realities about us, Christ has covered all of that, redeemed all of that, and because of Christ, God is for his people. This is the good news. This is the good news. If you're visiting today, exploring the faith, checking out the faith, wondering about the faith, here here it is. Because of Jesus, God's love is upon all who repent and believe. Because of Jesus, God has accepted and loved and cared for and works for all who have repented and believed. Because of Jesus, God is always for his 
people. God, the one who knows all things, has created all things, who's over all things, who is able. This is our hope. And there's a third reality that this point, these gospel realities shout at. Our eternity is not defined by earthly matters. The heavenly realm is not bound by earthly matters. So get this. You may lose everything you have, physically, tangibly, materially, and God is good and for you and enough and will guide you and will nurture you and your eternity is not shaped by what's happened here negatively in the earthly realm. They may arrest me. They may cut out my tongue. They may kill me. They may call me a heretic, but if I'm in Christ, my eternity is not defined by these realities that are playing out here in this earthly realm. It's as if Jesus is saying this, believe what I have promised, believe what is true, and let these realities shape who you are. Our hope is in Christ, not in the things of this world. Which pushes us to the second point, opposition like Jesus. Here's the tough reality. Jesus said in verse 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Here's here's the bottom line truth. We will face the same opposition as Jesus did if we represent Jesus. Who are we to expect anything different from a fallen world? The clearest laying out of this is found in verses 24 and 25. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Jesus in this moment is really foretelling the end of his earthly life. He's foretelling the way that he will die. He says, look, if they rejected me and killed me, If you're representing me, you should expect nothing less. A fallen world that rejects Christ and rejects the ways of Christ will reject and oppose those who represent Christ. All the way down to verse 17, don't trust in men because they will betray you. Verses 22 and 23 Don't depend upon family allegiances because everyone in your family might not choose the way of Christ. 
verses 34 through 39. Don't assume that the coming of Christ will take away all of the brokenness immediately. Don't assume that the way of Christ, he says literally, verse 34, will make all things peaceful. Rathering the coming of Christ is a sifting. It's a shaking out. And our allegiance is to Christ even above father, daughter, mother, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law. Our calling is to Christ. So friends... Christ has sent us as sheep in the midst of wolves. As followers of Jesus, as servants of the king, we should expect that our treatment would would be just like his treatment. Which then means, number one, a world that rejects Christ will ultimately reject the people of Christ. So while we stand for truth, we represent truth, we could call people to truth, we shouldn't be surprised when the world rejects those who look like Christ. Number two, verse 38 calls us to take our cross and follow Jesus. We take our cross and we follow Jesus. Jesus. Count the cost and recognize that following Christ is better and is worth it in all things. Number three, as those who are sent, we're called to be, this is a quote from verse 16, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Meaning we're called to be circumspect, aware, watching out, making biblical assessments all the time, and doing so in a way that is true to following Christ and honoring to the Lord in all things. Now, what Jesus is doing here is he's laying out a vision for the mission of God's people. The mission of taking the good news into the world boldly, Proclaiming what we've heard and received as a way to invite others into this good, cared for presence of God in Christ. And as we go, Jesus gives us reality. There will be opposition and he gives us hope. I will stand with you in the face of the opposition I will be for you, and we will go forward together for the sake of my 
kingdom. So this leaves us with a question. Where are we going to look for our hope, our redemption, our forgiveness, and our strength? Jesus says if we look to him, he'll welcome, accept, love, and care for. Jesus says he'll be with us. If we turn away, Jesus says he'll turn away. So here we are on this day with this question. Will I take up my cross and follow Christ? Will I turn to Christ for forgiveness and restoration and renewal? And in turning to Christ, will I follow him where he's going into a world that rejects him? But knowing that it's better to be rejected in the world with Christ than it is to stand on our own without him.